It's Wednesday, June 8th, and you're tuned into the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. I'm Joe Noga, joined by Paul Hoynes. Hoynesy, the Guardians uh, split another doubleheader. Uh, it's their, what, fourth doubleheader and third one that they've split so far this year. I think they're they're 1-0-3 oh, in uh, in doubleheaders this season. Uh, they got, they've got five more to go, so plenty of chances <laughs> to uh, to improve on that record. But uh, yesterday, you know, things looked pretty good after the first game. And then they ran into, um, you know, Marcus Simeon, who who decided he wanted to go, what, four for five with uh, uh, a home run in the in or two home runs in the in the nightcap. And uh, it was it was rough sailing for Kirk McCarty in his first uh, major league start. Yeah, that was uh, as as for Terry Francona said, that was a, a big ask. Uh, sending a lefty uh, in his first big league start against uh, that Texas lineup that, you know, does a number against left-handers that is tough on lefties. So, and, you know, Simeon really hadn't, you know, he'd, he'd been struggling for the first two months of the season, but he's, you know, he certainly got healthy quickly uh, in Cleveland. Uh, like you said, Joe, two home runs in the nightcap, you had another home run in the first game. Uh, he looked like a guy that uh, signed a hunt that was worth 175 million bucks that uh, Texas brought to uh, Arlington over the winter. Yeah, that was, uh, that was the interesting part was the, um, you, you know, he had signed the $175 million contract seven years and I, you know, it wasn't performing up to uh, that, that contract up to the first, well, at the first 43 games of the year, he hadn't hit a home run uh, and he had hit, uh, you know, maybe five, six of them before, uh, coming to the ballpark over the last 12 games and then he just explodes you know he sees the uh the the guardians pitching and and, and does a number on him uh Kel Quantrill did a good job against him in the first game but in the second game he really took advantage of uh a couple of bad change-ups from Kurt McCarty uh really the entire uh Rangers lineup is is pretty solid against left-handed pitching uh they they slug what 436 they're they're uh Actually, that pro- that number probably went up heading into that game, but uh, they they rank what third in in baseball against left-handed pitching uh, slugging percentage-wise. So, uh, just a really good uh, hitting lineup against left-handers, and and we saw that uh, in the second game. Uh, you know, the defense didn't help them out in in the the second inning. Uh, Ernie Clement throws away uh, what would have been an ending-inning double play ball. Uh, that leads to a run and and you know you never really got the sense that McCarty was was settled in there at any point yeah and and you know there that left-hander uh Taylor Hearn did a nice job against uh against Cleveland but you know they scored three runs the Guardians scored three runs in the sixth inning they're right back in the game Joe they're, mm-hmm. it's five to three you know but they just really you never got the sense that that they were kind of close to taking taking control of this game and I'm not sure exactly why but uh, you know they just uh, they you know they just really you know offensively you know they had one big hit Gonzalez gets a two-run single and they you know they were lacking in that in in the nightcap for sure right yeah uh, Oscar Gonzalez one for four two-run single he had he had two doubles in the uh, in the opener and in the first game uh, Med Rosario had had three hits in the in the opener and then an, and an RBI single in the second game. 
so really only bright spots on offense. Uh, Jose Ramirez, you know, hit the ball well uh, a couple of times in that game. Uh, you know, more than once we thought he was going for extra bases. Uh, but Eli White, uh, second year uh, outfielder, center field for uh, the the Rangers, uh, tracks down a couple of balls that that probably would have gone for extra bases for Jose Ramirez. He made two diving catches, and then in the ninth inning, he robbed Andres Jimenez with a catch up against the wall uh, that that took away another extra base hit. Yeah, that's the the most dominant uh, performance by a, you know opposing center fielder we've seen since. Uh, you know, Byron Buxton was at his peak with the Twins. I mean, he just had a great, a great, you know, a great day. And, uh, you know, I don't know if uh, Jose, uh, Jose had trouble sleeping last night, but he, if he, if he dreamt at all, he probably saw Eli White stealing one hit after another from him. I mean, if you're Jose Ramirez, you, you can, you can sleep pretty soundly and knowing mm-hmm. that, you know, they were all good at bats, every at yeah. bat. Uh, Terry Francona said, uh, for the he could have been five for eight with a couple of doubles and maybe a triple had had Eli White not been out there playing. But you know uh, Ramirez took a couple of walks yesterday. He he's still locked in at the plate. He's still hitting the ball well. It's just you know it was one of those days where the ball just didn't drop each time. Uh, it, it it's interesting to see that happen to Jose Ramirez though because you know usually it's the other way around. Usually he's the one finding the the gaps and getting the ball through. So. Uh, it'd be interesting to see the way he bounces back tonight against uh, uh, against Dane Dunning. I'm, I'm interested, Joe. What do you think? Uh, you know, Texas is the first team we've really seen intentionally walk him. They walked him intentionally, walked him twice in the in the opener. Uh, I think Baltimore walked him intentionally a couple times. Uh, you think they're, that's taking the sting out of his uh, bat a little bit, cooling him off? I, you know, it, it might make him a little more anxious and a little more frustrated, but he's still, like you said, he, he's still putting together good at bats. Yeah. He's still hitting the ball hard. That's, that's what uh, Terry Francona said, you know, last week. It, it, what's impressive is he might only see one or two pitches per at bat, or maybe even in a game total, uh, one or two at pitches to, to sort of drive. And he's still putting the bat on those balls. So uh, it, you know, it, it just goes to to show you how smart of a hitter he is, uh, because he knows what they're trying to do to them, and he's still able to, to to you know get his whenever he can. Yeah, yeah, that you know that's a, that's a good point. And uh, in the first game, I like the fact that we finally saw their their running game kind of take hold. You know, six six stolen bases, uh, the most since what September tenth of last year against Milwaukee. We saw, you know, Straw get two, Rosario get two, one by Ramirez and one by, uh, uh, let's see, uh, um, what's his, uh, Mercado. And uh, so, you know, I you know, I think that's a big factor. And we really haven't seen them, you know, really run except for Jose, you know, so that, and uh, so that was, that you know, that was nice to see. I, it would have been nice. I think only two of the stolen bases turned into runs, mm-hmm. but still, you, you know, you're, you're putting that in the defense's mind. You're putting that in the hitter's mind. I mean, the pitcher's mind, you know, that kind of creates holes. You're creating movement on the infield. So, you know, that's a good thing to see. Yeah. It's curious to me as to why, what, what prompted that, you know, last night, as opposed to any other point this season. And it could be that Texas is a team that runs themselves. I mean, they lead 
all of baseball with the in stolen bases and in stolen base percentage. So, you know, Tito said it, it really catches your eye and catches your attention when a team is doing one, but when they're doing both, you've got to be really prepared for that. Uh, and, you know, in the second game, Texas was taking bases at will basically against uh, Luke Maley. Yeah. They stole so, four bases in the second game. Yeah. It's uh, it, 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 it was interesting to look up and just see every every so often there was a it was like you know baseball in the old days when, when they actually did steal bases all the time you got Vince Coleman out there stealing 100 bases in the season it was kind of crazy. yeah that was that that was a kind of a change in pace especially for a team that hits home runs like uh you know like the the Rangers did last night and they're still running too that's an interesting team if they if they get pointed in the right direction wanted to talk about the Guardians bullpen. Uh, over both games, actually, I think they went uh, seven innings in the doubleheader combined, uh, allowing only, I, I believe, the the solo home run to uh, to Marcus Simeon that, that Anthony Ghost gave up. But again, Ghost hasn't worked in in like a week, so you know you can understand why there's some rust there. Uh, what Terry Francona said after the game was, it was good that. Uh, a lot of guys got in. They were able to spread some innings around and and make sure guys who needed to work got their work in. Uh, they threw a lot of pitches, but they didn't extend guys beyond one inning or, or so each. Uh, I was kind of surprised to see Eli Morgan pitch in the first game uh, when when they sort of had a comfortable lead, and you know it was I, I kind of questioned why they were pitching a guy who was so hot coming out of the bullpen in that game. But, you know, if you, you figure if you're Terry Francona, you, you got a game sort of in hand, you want to make sure you get that win. I guess that's what his thinking was. Yeah, I, I think I think you're 100% right there, Joe. You, you know, it's like, um, you know, you've got to win. You need this win. You know who's pitching the second game, and that's no knock on uh, McCarty. But you know he's coming up. It's going to be – He's facing a tough lineup. You get the win when you can. And it's like uh, Francona, what's he? He uses his closer with a four-run lead in the ninth. So, you know, you get your run. You you take care of business when when the when the win is sitting there on, on a tee for you. Yeah, I, I guess that's that's sort of the same philosophy. Uh, it, class A, you want to get him work when you can. So I can understand in other games when you're you're ahead by four in the ninth and you're pitching him uh, to to – you know, sort of seal things up. But yesterday he did pick up uh, what save number 10 in that first game, uh, pitching in relief of uh, Morgan and Cal Quantrill. Quantrill goes seven innings, uh, scatters eight hits, three earned runs. Uh, you know, they, they got to him with a couple of solo home runs uh, late in the game in the, in the seventh, you know, that was, he gives up two, two solos in the seventh. And, and that's why he didn't get to go out and pitch in the eighth. And, you know, when he said he was he was OK with that because he kind of understood uh, only three strikeouts for Quantrill. But but he's been pretty dominant, you know, over the last month plus of, of, of outings. I, I, I mean, it's it's been a long time since we've had anything negative to say about Cal Quantrill. Yeah, Quantrill has pitched really well and he's you know, he got some runs again, you know, for the second straight game, the second straight start. Uh, he was he got some offensive support which uh, he, you know, obviously that makes it easier to pitch when you, when you're, when your guys are scoring runs for you and uh, just, you know, kind of a dominant performance. I thought, you know, 
uh, matched the season high in, in innings pitched and, uh, you know, just keeps that trend going of, of one good start after another uh, by this, uh, by the rotation. And uh, I, I like what he had to say um, about, you know, well, they did reach 500, you know, for a couple minutes there. After, <laughs> <laughs> well, they were 25 and 25 after the, 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 the win in the opener. And he, you know, he said, you know, the, you know, we're, we're, we're not interested in being a, you know, just a 500 team. This is, you know, the step in the right direction. We think uh, we're a playoff team. We're not going to use anything as an excuse of the youth of the, uh, the youth of the roster, the double headers, the rainouts, the quirky schedule, you know, we're just going to go play. Yeah, it was uh that, that was a really interesting part of the, the post game with, with Quantrill was, you know, he sat up there and it was, it was a real like leadership moment. It, it sounded like, you know, he was speaking for the clubhouse at that point. It's like, we're, we know how young we are and, and, and we know that all these other things are going against us, but you know, there's no reason why this team can't be a, a, a 500 or better team and a, and a playoff contender. And, you know, he's, he, he's, he putting his money where his mouth is uh, over his last eight outings, at least six innings uh, that ties Garrett Cole for uh, and, and Frambo Valdez for uh, the longest kind of stretch like that in the American league this season. Uh, Martin Perez from Texas has nine games like that. So, you know, it's, he, he's been, he's been putting his money where his mouth is. And uh, even when the offense isn't giving him runs uh, in, in previous games, uh, he's still going out there and he's the same guy each night. Yeah, that's, a, that's a good point. And, uh, you know, I, I, what, what Quantrill said kind of, you know, takes me back to what Bieber said a while ago. He goes, you know, you know, people, you know, asked, keep asking him and asked him about, um, you know, the attitude in the locker room, the, uh, the youth of the roster, the, you know, just what the feeling is on, on the club. And he said, you know, the, the attitude in the locker room hasn't changed since day one. You know, we know what we know. We know, we know we have a good club. We know our deficiencies, but we also know, you know, if we play good baseball, we we're going to win. We have a chance to win. So uh, it's uh, you know, I think the, from the the feeling inside that locker room is a, is a lot different than what you know what people like you and me you know on the outside looking in tend to feel at times. Right. Yeah. It's very interesting. Uh, speaking of uh, teams, uh, you know, struggling to win, I, I believe the Angels' lost losing streak is at 13 games. Uh, and prior to uh, yesterday's second game, I, I believe they are actually prior to the doubleheader yesterday. Uh, for the Guardians, we we learned that uh, the Angels have fired Joe Madden. Uh, Phil Nevin is now their interim uh, manager. Uh, Joe Madden out as the the Angels went from, I believe, ten games over five hundred to uh, you know a thirteen game losing streak. And basically, you've got two MVPs and a, a team that has a whole bunch of money invested in their payroll. And uh, the Angels weren't getting it done, and Joe Madden is now uh, on the outs with the uh, with the Angels. Yeah, that's uh, uh, you know, we see Joe Girardi. You know what? A few days ago, you know, another veteran manager uh, get fired in Philadelphia, and now Joe Madden, uh, you know, who did such a great job in Tampa Bay, and you know was really a fixture in with the Angels you know, for, for decades before, you know, he really got a chance to manage in Tampa and then the Cubs, 
uh, and he gets let go. And uh, like you said, Joe, they go from 27 and 17, you know, right in the thick of that AL West rates to a 27 and 30, you know, I mean, that, you know, with that 13 game losing streak or, and uh, just, um, you know, he, he was, he was kind of a lame duck uh, manager last year of his contract. Mm-hmm. You know, they didn't, they didn't renew him. Uh, so that was kind of maybe a red flag that, you know, he was on thin ice and, you know, I think um, one of the difficult things about his job is how do you handle Otani as, as great a talent as he is, you know, you've got to be careful when you pitch him, when you play him, it, it requires a six man rotation, which is, you know, kind of a unusual mixture to, uh, to make work through the schedule. It's so I'm going to be interested to see how Nevin handles all that. Yeah. And it, it requires sort of like, I, I, and not to not to be kind of weird, but you know it would require a relationship with the front office similar to what the the Guardians have with Tito and and Antonetti. The the way that they work so closely and in such harmony, and and they you know there's there's sort of a a, a philosophy that that sort of flows between both of them, both sides of that. Uh, if, if you don't have that with a player like Otani where the front office can can sort of say well this is what we want and 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 Madden can come back and say okay well this is how we put it into to practical use you know if you don't have that or if there's a question about it and I'm not saying there was but that could be very difficult so they're going to have to find somebody and you know maybe Nevin you know understands that he's in sort of that interim position but yeah it if if you don't have both sides talking, speaking the same language, there, uh, it, it could be very, it could be disastrous for what Otani's potential is. Yeah, and you know you've got the best player in, in baseball in Trout. You've never made the postseason with them, or maybe made it once with them. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure. I think maybe once they they were in the postseason. So there's a lot of pressure, and the owner is not, you know, the not the easiest man to work for either, uh, Moreno. Right. Well, I, I believe the uh, Manaya or the uh, the the GM out there was he was Madden was there before him. So this is a chance for for him to sort of put his imprint on the uh, the the team as well. So, yeah, uh, that's, you know, the, the sort of the big news in baseball yesterday was was uh, Madden uh, losing his his job as manager of the the Angels. Uh we just got a, a an email from the Guardians uh, uh, right before we started recording here. Uh, if you remember back to when the the Guardians were out in Oakland and the uh, the Grand Slam uh, inning winner uh, Sue Kelly, she won a a Ford Bronco Sport uh, when Andres Jimenez hit a Grand Slam against the A's on April 29th. Uh, we found out that that Sue Kelly is going to be in town. Uh, she's from Ashland. She's going to be in Cleveland on June 29th to have a, a meet and greet on the field with Tom Hamilton and Jimenez. I'm sure they're going to do some sort of photo op where uh, where Sue Kelly gets the keys to her new uh, Ford Bronco and, and gets to meet Andres Jimenez. I still don't know what Andres Jimenez is going to get out of this. Other, you know, He did all the work. All she did was, was enter a contest. Andres Jimenez is the one who hit the grand slam. And and you know what? Ever since Andres Jimenez hit that grand slam, he's been on an absolute tear. So we need to see more Guardians, uh, you know, hitting the the Ford Grand Slam uh, payoff inning 
uh, I believe the third inning, more grand slams in the third inning for Cleveland would be a great thing. <laughs> Maybe she'll uh, she'll drive Sue will drive her, uh, Jimenez and uh, and Ham Hammy around the uh, around the ballpark for a uh, you know <laughs> one of those. Uh, I, 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 I don't think I don't think they're gonna let somebody drive inside the park. That, that on the warning track, you know. Like, yeah, <laughs> that's the last thing you want to see. Oh yeah, let's yeah, Brandon, drive. Them. Brandon didn't have a heart attack. Yeah, <laughs> uh, Brandy Kanky, the uh, the grounds crew. Uh, yeah, definitely. Uh, would that would be interesting, but. All right, uh, another game tonight. You got Shane Bieber going against Texas uh, uh, in in uh, the series finale. Uh, should be interesting to see as the the Guardians look to to try and take that series. Yeah, Bieber's coming off an eleven strikeout performance against uh, Baltimore on Friday. You know, I think he's. You know, we're starting to see the uh, the old uh, Shane Bieber, and uh, it's a good thing because uh, they need this win. All right, we'll check in again tomorrow on the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast.